0: So, we're, so the process of developing this is we're getting new coffee mugs made, and Dr. Schreiner, who I'll formally start this in a minute, but Dr. Schreiner has brought dutifully his McDonald's, which okay. I'm a little bit embarrassed by, so we'll have to retroactive We'll bring him back. Man, just to, we'll have to edit out. We'll bring him color. back to experience the proper coffee mug and, um, and the new Keurig. I'll be that, very excited. He will be, and, and we'll get the update. Uh, I'm Dr. Todd Fredericks, Assistant Professor of Family Medicine at the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, and this is the Rotations Podcast. And uh, with that, we are, uh, our host, Nisarg Bakshi, OMS2.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Nisarg Bakshi, and as you all know, this is the Rotations Podcast. Uh, today, we're joined by Dr. John Schreiner, the Dean of Admissions and Student Affairs here at OUHCOM. Uh, we're excited to talk to him a little bit about the admissions process and the tips and tricks of getting into medical school. Uh, so we're excited to have you on, Dr. Schreiner. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. And on the panel as well, we have Joe Rodriguez, uh, another fellow second year now, second year medical student. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Thank you. So nice we'll, to uh, be
0: here. Yeah, we'll have some good conversation. Yeah, you just wait. <laughs> You've got six <laughs> weeks, and then you're going to find out what being an OMS2 is all about.
2: <laughs> Tr- trust me, there's plenty of second years that are my friends now, and I'm not envious at all.
3: <laughs> so Dr. Schreiner, uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about your background. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I uh, grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, over the west side, Lakewood. Uh, <laughs> tough, tough taking that, ba- that basketball game last night.
2: It's 3 but, nothing. Uh,
3: yeah. And so, uh, but to start out on the west side of Cleveland and uh, did my undergraduate work here at Ohio University. Uh, came to school at OU back in the late 70s. I uh, was an organizational communication major with a, man- with a management minor. Uh, then I, I went on and did my master's at Cleveland State in adult learning and uh, education and, uh, excuse me, adult learning and development in the College of Education. So I got my MED in 95. Uh, opportunity presented. I knew the folks down here at OUCOM at the time. I was good friends with the director and the associate director, and an opportunity came uh, about. And uh, I kind of toyed with the idea, And lo and behold, I became the associate director back in 96. And uh, here I sit today as the uh, Associate Dean of Admissions and Student Affairs, uh, almost 21 years later. It's been a great ride, and uh, I, I bleed green, for sure. Yep. And you play golf. I, I'm a hack. yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, hacking it up in Wisconsin and we'll going to the Open next week. So.
1: Nice. So uh, what, what's like a typical day in the life of, of an Associate Dean of
3: Admissions? Brutal. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I, I tell you guys, I, I'm so blessed. I love my job uh, m- most every day and every minute. Um, it's interesting, when I took on the role of, a, of overseeing uh, student affairs for the first of the year, in addition to my other roles and responsibilities with admissions and countless other committees, and my hat rack's rather large right now, so the day in my life is like meetings, and then uh, some more meetings, followed by a couple more meetings, and, but really, it's a, my day is uh, it is comprised of a lot of meetings. A lot of these meetings um, are looking to what are we going to do next? You know, how are we going to continue to improve? Because, as you know, the, the lead dog always has the best view, and we enjoy a very good view here. And so, uh, to maintain that view, you can't be static. So, we're always looking to improve, create greater efficiencies, uh, greater effectiveness, all really with the, with the intent of enhancing um, access, the student experience and great outcomes and so it's a it's a blast really working with the folks that are right on the cusp of getting to med school and then of course working with a lot of student groups and uh, that are currently enrolled and uh, and it's also fun working with a lot of the alum too well i know i
1: speak for all the students when i say we love the (coughs) level of involvement that you bring you know you're you're always
3: uh, willing to hang out and chat with us for a little bit despite how busy you are which is pretty cool well you guys you guys make my day i'd rather be talking to you and hanging out and laughing and, and talking about you guys and your aspirations and sitting in meetings or staring at papers or staring at my computer screen all day, which (laughs) I have a tendency to do. (laughs) So thank you.
1: Sure, yeah. So the million-dollar question, right?
3: Uh, Every every pre-med wants to know the secret. So what is the secret to getting into medical school? What is the secret to getting in? I tell you what, you know, and and my dad told me this a long time ago, and it crosses so many boundaries. um, It boils down to to two words, hard work. And uh, in the admissions office, we have a credo, it's always easier to help a student that's helping themselves. So, you know, if you're a candidate that aspires to, to be admitted, you know, if you're working hard, you're achieving academically, you're doing all the right things, which, you know, we're very service oriented medical school here. So, we want to make sure that's much a part of the fabric of our students that are coming in or that aspire to attend. So, getting out there, and making a difference, serving your communities, helping uh, those that really need a helping hand, having all the things we're looking for. So, great experience to know what you're getting into, good clinical experience. Uh, research is always appreciated um, you know having a good depth and breadth of, of sciences but you don't have to be in a science major per se um, but those that have a great foundation those that show great potential and of course the one of the most something that's equally important uh, you know some of the soft things that we look for that have to quantify uh, you've got to be a good person you know you've got to have a good heart you've got to have a good head on your shoulders you've got to care you have to be altruistic um, you got to be a great communicator, too. You know, as you all know, uh, whether you're in in the curriculum or delivering the curriculum, Dr. Frederick, um, you've got to be a great communicator because there's so much engagement, whether it's a small group, CBL, to the collaboration that really is going to lend to success in your medical education and beyond. So being a great communicator, being a great colleague, being a caring person, that that's really important to us. So all of those things. So if you're doing all of that, there's still no guarantee. But... <laughs> If you're if you're doing all of that, um, you're positioning yourself really well for serious consideration and hopefully admission.
1: Sure. Uh, so I know Joe here you, didn't take the most traditional path to get into medical school. So no. do you want to talk a little bit about your
2: journey? Yeah. Um, so my journey was well, my journey was a little different. So you know, most people they go to right out of high school, they go into um, they go into pre med program and then and then try to apply. Um, I did that and then I switched. Actually, right before school started, in undergrad, I switched to nursing. So I did nursing school for a year and a half. And then I realized after I was working as a nurse's aide um, in the hospital that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And actually what I wanted to do was medicine. Uh, I've realized, like especially when I start uh, with clinical uh, rotations and how important a nurse is going to be, even as Mm -hmm. a physician and the teamwork that is necessary for them, I'm, I'm glad that because that was my journey, I got to experience that. But I ended up switching uh, back to pre-med, got my, got an undergraduate degree. I didn't do well enough on my MCAT, on my standards. So then, um, and actually I applied to med school. I only got into, uh, I got into an overseas school, decided not to attend it. And then I got my master's degree after my graduate degree. um, Retook my MCAT, uh, did better. And then I got, um, the opportunity to do the postback program here. so that was that was my route. So it was definitely a little four year gap because from undergrad to when I started med school, there's about mm-hmm. four year gap. But at the same time, definitely looking back on it, if I started med school right after undergrad, I either would have did really poorly and barely scape- scraped by or I probably would have had to reassess a year mm-hmm. just because I wasn't I wasn't mature enough then and I definitely wasn't taking stuff seriously.
1: Dr. Fredericks, we were talking before about uh, your journey to med school. It was a little bit uh, nontraditional as well. Can you tell us about that?
0: Well, it wasn't nearly as exciting as Joe's. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it was because of that journey that, uh, of course, the most important thing in my life happened to me, which was I met my wife. But um, yeah, every California medical school rejected me, which was the beginning of my deprogrammation of, as a Californian. I realized how much the state sucked. Uh, <laughs> and so... And I mean that in all seriousness because um, I went to a state teachers college. I was very young when I started college. I came from a situation where I needed to get to college sooner than a lot of kids um, just to get out of that situation. And um, so I uh, started college at about six, uh, two weeks before my seventeenth birthday. And it goes back to what Joe's talking about about um, being uh, too young to do some of this stuff. And I kind of wandered around. I wanted to be an engineer, but I had some bad experiences in math and didn't have good tutoring or good good uh, background. And I would have been an aerospace engineer, I'm sure, if I'd have had a better math experience because um, that's really what is my, my passion outside of doing teaching and academics and this kind of thing. But but um, I didn't have that. So, of course, you can't do math. You go to medical school. And so uh, what <laughs> I did was I became a biology major because it actually came kind of easy, even though I just did not like biology much at all. And I applied to all these schools. And I'm just going to put something out here UC Davis. I am a physician now because you rejected me, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, uh, yeah, you may have a good vet school, but you missed out on this. So uh, anyway, so I I didn't know what to do after I got rejected. So what I did was at that time we didn't have the kind of guidance that we have now. Uh, Medical school is a different entity. We didn't have people like Dr. Schreiner saying, hey, go do this post-bac thing. Why don't you go do a year of kind of refining and polishing and something that's interesting. Let's look at your stuff again. So I kind of fell into that by going into a Ph.D. program in applied philosophy at Bowling Green six or seven months in that program and realized, I don't want to be a philosopher. Uh, and so I went over to the chemistry undergraduate department and said, look, I tried this medical school thing before, um, and I didn't get in in California. Uh, what, do you th- what do I need to do to try that again? And she said, PhD work in philosophy with a dual major in biology, biology and psychology with a minor in philosophy. And she goes, uh, we can't let you in. Why? You don't have enough English. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? She says, yeah, you're missing. She goes, in any of these other philosophy classes, do you do any writing? I goes, that's all we did was writing. She goes, well, I'll count your religious study, your comparative religions as, 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 as your writing requirement for English. And so Ellen said, we'll approve that. And I hadn't even gotten, we didn't have cell phones that time. I hadn't even gotten back to my office at Bowling Green. and I, uh, They had taken a message from OU saying, would you come down and go to medical school here? And so um, loyalty engenders loyalty in me. And uh, from that day on, um, I have done nothing but bleed green, and since then, um, every good thing in my professional life has come because of the investment that the school made in me, and so you will find very few people that are bigger cheerleaders for Ohio University. I'm impressed by the amount of care that goes into admissions. Uh, I don't, when I do have the opportunity and privilege to send the admissions committee, I don't even have to look at the packets because they're so good at screening that you get almost a generic plate. Every kid looks the same as far as their academic performance, their service commitments. There's a few discriminators there, but it frees us up to really find out about the character of the student. And that, for me, is someone who really is concerned about who's going to be a doctor. Who do I want taking care of my wife or my kids or myself? That, that frees me up because they do such a good job at really putting those packets together and saying, this is what we expect. To be the standard for you guys to consider, mm-hmm. that's the baseline. After that, it really becomes person focused. So, I'll shut up now. Sorry, Dr. <laughs> Schreiner, I took so much of your time, oh, but that's okay. Great. We'll, we'll continue. I on. love that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, uh, Dr. Fredericks kind of brought this up uh, with the, you know, the packets of students. Mm-hmm. Like, what what is OUH come looking for when, when it gets to the specifics of an application? We're talking about MCATs and yeah. grades and volunteering and yeah. research. Yeah,
3: I, I kind of alluded to it a little earlier. We're, you know, I'll tell you what. We're greedy. We want it all. You know? <laughs> and uh and, you know, looking at around the table here, I, I can say that, that we've got that in all three instances here of the students and former students. And uh, thanks for making me look so good, guys, too. And, <laughs> thanks um, for accepting us. Yeah, yeah. you're <laughs> welcome. Oh, yeah, thanks, thanks for so giving much. us some pleasure. <laughs> <And, and, and, laughs> uh, the, the mutual admiration society here. I love it. Um, no, we're, what we're looking for, and, and Dr. Frederick mentioned, you know, you see a somewhat consistent candidate uh, coming to interviews, and, and the consistency involves um, solid metrics, you know, somebody, we, we believe that you can you can have a pretty good chance of predicting future success by looking at past success. So we're looking at the undergraduate, graduate uh, academic track record of a candidate. Um, and, you know, if they've done well, we think they might have the intellect and acumen to handle the rigor and grind of medical school curriculum. Um, we're looking at things such as uh, a bit of a depth and breadth of science, uh, not just the minimum, but maybe some of those additional upper level sciences that are going to Maybe expose you to some of the subject matter you're going to see in medical school, so your transition might be a little smoother, and your start might be a little more positive. But again, we're looking, and we look for trends in grades. You know, sometimes stumble out people stumble out of the gate. Maybe they don't know what they want to do necessarily at the onset. It's always hard to to achieve a goal when you don't have it established at the beginning. Uh, but as Jason mentioned, you know, you kind of realign things. You know, that I want to do something pretty, pretty lofty. It's a great aspiration. So then you retool and. you're you really start to put your nose to the grindstone and, and get after it because you know how bad you want it. So we're looking for that as well. It's kind of that that tenacity, that grit, if you will. Uh, but we're also looking for those folks that are carrying compassion, as I mentioned. You know, and it's tough to some. It's tough to quantify um, the soft attributes that are so important in our decision making. Uh, of course, our our rubric, our interviewing evaluation tool that we use on interview day captures that. And uh, I can't give too much of that away because then you know, the listening audience will be able to, to game our, our evaluation form and tell us what we want to hear, mm-hmm. uh, but it really does get after the things that um, that we believe lend to a, a good medical student and a few, and hopefully an outstanding physician. Involvement and in activities on a co-curricular, extracurricular level are great because it, it, you're building team player skills, you're um, hopefully building uh, solid communication skills. Uh, we look for uh, development of leadership. You know, we train we train great physicians, but we also train great leaders. And so we look for some of those experiences that kind of foster those sorts of characteristics as an undergrad or grad level. We're also looking for research. You know, we're we're very, you know, a lot of the DO schools aren't necessarily extremely research oriented. Um, HCOM is, and I think that's a plus for us and for uh the greater good uh, discovery of knowledge. And so if you have research experience, we're going to value that. We're going to want to talk about it. One of your interviewers is probably going to be a biomedical science faculty, so be ready to talk about your research. If you can't, that faculty member is going to think you're probably a liability in the lab instead of an asset. Um, But research is is certainly valued. You don't have to have research to get in. Uh, Let me say that, but it is valued. Uh, We're also looking for, um, again, folks that have that altruistic spirit. And we kind of glean that from some of the activities that you've been involved with maybe things that have gotten you outside of your comfort zone that are really reaching out to those that need a helping hand not so much just helping in the ER, you know, volunteering in the ER. That's great. But we're talking about, you know, getting down there and, you know, folks that they wonder where the next meal's coming from. They don't know where they're sleeping tonight. Um they just uh they don't have much hope. And so we look for those folks that want to reach out and give them hope and help them through the tough times. Because that's what a physician does. And we're also looking for good ret- letters of recommendation. You know, the faculty that you've worked with over the last, you know, two and three or four years or beyond or whatever, those folks, they've, they've had you in the classroom. They know your, your penchant for, for learning, your zest for trying to, to, to get the most out of your educational experience. And, so, uh, and they'll also speak to your personality, maybe your communication skills, or do you play nicely with others in the lab or lecture. So letters of recommendation are very important as well. Uh, we mentioned communication skills, you know, if, if you can't put a sentence together or if you do put that sentence together and you know, every other word is I, me, I, me, me, I, what's medicine going to do for me? Whoa. Okay. That's probably going to be a fairly painful interview. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe shorter than, than one would expect or longer or longer. Or longer. Yeah. Or longer. <laughs> yeah. True. As you try and tease it out, let's work with me here. Say something positive. Um, we're very vested in our students, and we only want the best for them. And um, so, we, we really need to help them along the way, not only academically but professionally. So we're awesome. looking for a lot. Could I say
0: one more thing too? It's to a compliment, and I don't think it's gaming is diamond at the game. I don't think it'll get all gaming. Some of the most impressive students I see are kids who've been involved in college athletics because yeah. if they can pull off the grades, knowing what the commitment is to college athletics, and you could replace college athletics with any a dedicated endeavor. Um, mm-hmm. That shows that you have the ability to time manage, focus, right. and that that has translation into the practice of medicine. There's not, never enough time, and I just say this for you know kids that think, oh, I mean, I got a B, I'm a B plus, A minus student. But they've been college athletes. It's all a balance, right? It's a mm-hmm. lot of different factors. So don't ever sell yourself short about the possibility. If that's what you really want to do, is help people of, of pursuing that. It's not all just 4.0 GPAs. And what, what's the highest score in MCAT now, 36? Uh,
3: 528. Five, I don't know uh, the score yeah, The new MCAT. <laughs> so uh,
0: 528 and 4.4, 4, right? I mean, yeah. that's not the necessarily the formula for medical school.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Students always ask perspectives, uh, what are you looking for? I say, well, 4.0 and, and 528. <laughs> uh, and then their jaw drops. I said, well, I really haven't seen a 528. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're right, Dr. Frederick. You know, you, you see folks uh, that uh, have been involved with a lot of other things, whether it's uh, athletics uh, and other, other passions they pursue, being able to, to time manage and budget uh, while still working towards that end goal. That's very impressive.
0: Kids who work through college.
3: I oh, mean, yeah. value amazing. that tremendously.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, yeah.
1: So how much then does this process uh, vary between different medical schools?
3: Well, I tell you what, there's a certain – uniformity uh, if you will in terms of the application process I mean if you're going to be an MD you're going to be applying through the AMCAS centralized application service you're going to be a DO you're applying through the centralized application service of COMA. so there's a certain degree of uniformity in terms of the application and the process and kind of the linear fashion of how that process plays out you know how, how folks uh, devise their interview day there's a lot of different interview formats um we take a fairly traditional approach of one-on-one three one-on-one interviews with each candidate some folks employ a uh, multiple mini interview format Uh, i'm not really crazy about that some maybe have a hybrid so the interview process can be a little different admission process can be different too in terms of notification we're on a rolling admission so we interview kids on fridays we make our decisions friday evening afternoon and evening we send that communication to the student monday morning uh, others maybe have batch admissions, so they'll interview kids all fall. Maybe their first uh, admission announcement date will be December 1st. So I, I know that our folks love the rolling admission. Dr. Frederick, that's why you were able to get a call you know, shortly after interview day, left on your... You're probably cassette tape on your phone machine.
0: They <laughs> didn't even have that. They Someone have that. just picked up the yeah. phone in the hallway and said, wrote it down. Right on, said, yeah, hey, you're in medical school. What yeah. are you doing that for? <laughs> Congratulations. I, I
3: hope you get to read the writing on that note. <laughs> yeah. But um, so the timing uh, of the rolling admission process, all parties really enjoy that. Candidates love the immediate response, and it helps us plan.
1: So you know we've talked it's on talking about philosophy and, and all these different majors. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, what other majors can students apply with? Like, do they have to be oh, biology, chemistry? No, I tell you what, and, and I love this question too because it, it it made me think back of the many many students over the years. Like I said, I've been here going on 21 years, and I've seen a lot of folks. And uh, I think back, I, I remember Karen. She's a Columbia grad. She was a dance major, and uh, she was a rock star. She's incredible. Um, I think of one of my, my all time favorite grads, uh, Adon, who's uh, a big time ENT over in Dayton now, living the dream, as we say. Uh, he was a theater major, a non traditional guy, Jason, kind of like you. He's awesome. been out and done some things. Um, I see accounting majors, finance majors, English majors, philosophy majors, even. And uh, so it's interesting. You, you see, and I, we see a lot of engineers. Um we've seen some some PTs, Farm Ds. The Farm D's are everybody's buddy. Oh, yeah. Uh when it when it comes to the farm uh content. Um we see folks uh too and folks we see coming through with their masters in anatomy, they're everybody's buddy in the lab too. Uh but we see really great variety. I'd say probably sixty percent of the folks coming through are probably biology or some natural science pre-med, you know, tag. Um but you don't have to be any particular major. Uh, you have to adhere to the core prerequisites that everybody has. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, if you're a non-natural science major, psych, philosophy, whatever, um, we require a minimum eight semester hours of biology. That's a minimum. Don't take that literally. We always encourage folks, take additional upper-level biosciences, kind of broaden that depth and breadth a little bit, and maybe expose yourself to some of the subject matter you're going to see in the first year. And also some of that coursework you'll you'll see will help you with the MCAT. You know, make sure you take your biochem. So yeah, we see a wide variety, which is really awesome. Yeah, we love it. The interview interviewers love it, and uh, and the college benefits from that diversity in the class. Sure. There's one
0: last point about that too. So often people are you know in high school I'm going to be a doctor, and I'll tell you this: do not waste your undergraduate education. It's there to forget an education and it's you know if you have to do the additional work in the biological biological sciences but you want to major in physics because it's what you're really interested in that's an appealing thing and yeah. don't waste that undergraduate opportunity thinking it's just a stepping stone to an end game because life changes and you don't know how that's going to shape you as a physician someday, and if you, it's all just it's just you get, we have record amounts of burnout right now, and I think a lot of it comes from a kid who starts undergraduate thinking the only thing I'm going to do is get to medical school, and they don't even stop and smell the roses as part of their undergraduate education. You're going to be a lot happier as a physician, interview a lot better, and be a lot happier medical school, saying, "Hey, I, I gave it all. I left it all in the field as an undergrad. I studied. I learned a lot of cool stuff, and now I'm learning new stuff that's related to some of my premed, but." I, I got a lot out of my education. It's really important. A lot of people forget that.
3: Follow that passion. If your passion is, uh, my, my oldest kid, he thought he wanted to be a microbiologist, and he had a grind of a, of a curriculum to start as a freshman. He stood back and decided, that's really not what I'm passionate about. Turns out he's a fine arts sculpture major, living in New York City, living the dream right now, uh, my starving artist, God bless him. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess kind of what you're alluding to, Tana, and I agree, is you know, follow that passion. And if that passion is uh, is sculpture, or that passion is philosophy, awesome. That doesn't mean that has to be at the expense of your other passion, which is the pursuit of of a medical education and practice. So um, yeah, we'll say goodbye for now, but we'll
1: be back shortly.
0: Okay, uh, yep. Rotations podcast, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll 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 we be back.
1: Rotations is the weekly podcast of all things medical, and is part of the Media in Medicine family of medical storytelling. Rotations is a product of the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine and the Scripps College of Communications. Rotations is hosted by Nisarg Bakshi, produced by Todd Fredericks, audio engineered by Kyle Snyder, and video edited by Brian Plough. Rotations is co-hosted by a league of champions of all things medical and a few people we pull off the street. Rotations is copyrighted, and while we welcome citations, tweets, Facebook likes, and other endorsements via word of mouth and social media, we reserve all rights to content. You may use Rotations content under the provision of Creative Commons, but you cannot alter or edit the content in any manner without express permission of the content creators, and you must cite Rotations as the source of any content derived from the podcast. We welcome any comments, and you can contact us by emailing rotationspodcast at gmail.com, tweeting us at rotationspcast.com or by visiting mediainmedicine.com and putting the word quotations in the subject line.